Each week we get together and we gather here to hear from God's Word. This is no joke. God picks the text that we preach. No joke. What I mean by that is we preach through books of the Bible. Do a New Testament one, when we're done, we do an Old Testament one. And whatever comes up each week, we preach. So when we're going through the book of Exodus and the topic of priestly garments comes up, we preach it. Going through the book of Matthew, talking about oath-taking, we preach it. They're important texts, but I just want to be honest with you. Some weeks I'm like, God, are you serious? <laughs> you want to preach that? And yet he does. And it's important. It's in God's word. And starting next week, we will begin the book of Romans. And we will be in Romans for one year. And each week, God will pick the text. But for today, in a sense, God is telling me, you pick. So I'm going to. I'm going to pick whatever I want to preach from God's Word. Are you okay with that? Like, if I have a chance to preach whatever I want, I'm going to preach probably this over and over and over again. So I say to you, welcome to my hobby horse. This is what I want to talk about. And I talk about it all the time, all of it, what we're going to say today. So let's go ahead and jump into God's Word and look at the book of Jeremiah. Book of Jeremiah. Kind of in the middle of your Bible, Jeremiah 29. Last week, I introduced you to our five ethos statements to describe who we are and who we want to be. And this morning, we're going to look at one called Invested Sojourners. Let me go and put the image up for you. For you. And I'm going to attempt to do something I've not done before uh, since the first service. I'm going to use a laser and explain this diagram. I don't know if you can see that at all. But here's the idea of an being an invested sojourner, all right? You've got the four corners of the earth, whatever, sort of like that, all right? You, maybe you're living here. Here could be wherever you came from before you came here. Maybe it was Tennessee. Maybe it was England, South America, whatever. You're living your life here. You come to Evanston, and now you're here. You're living in community. You're investing. You're part of a church, part of your school, you're part of your work. You're doing your thing in Evanston forever how long. And then you move, and now you're living here, wherever that is, New York, L.A., somewhere around the world. But while you're here, you're being an invested sojourner before you move on. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. But anyway, I just wanted to do that. All right, let's look at the book of Jeremiah now. Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4. Let me read the text to you. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives to your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So let me set this text up for you. There is a woman. She owned a home in Arizona. She's trying to sell it. I mean, trying to sell a home in this market at times, it can be difficult. 
So her home was on the market for a while. During that time, she didn't want to join a gym because why would you want to join a gym if you're about to move? You don't want to be stuck in some long-term contract. She didn't attempt to make new friends because in her mind, she's moving. And she started to disengage from her old friends because why keep that relationship going if you're going to move? And so her house sat on the market for an entire year, unsold. And then one day someone made an offer and she sold her home. But she said she wasn't very happy. In fact, she was very, very frustrated because what she had done, she put her life on hold. She lived in this limbo, you know, this state of limbo where she didn't really do anything. She just looked toward the future and yet she was stuck in this home, in this life for a full year. And she was mad at herself for doing that. Many of you, if you had a chance, you would describe your life right now as in a state of limbo. Now, I don't want to see a show of hands, but humor me, okay? Just in your mind. If you had a chance to move on to your next stage of life without going through this one, would you do it? Like, if you could just go ahead and skip this and move on to the next thing, would you do it? And even those of you who are like permanent residents, and when I say permanent residents in in Evanston, that's kind of a tricky statement. I mean, you own property, all right? You own a condo and you own a home. Even you guys can have your mindset on the next transition, the next life phase that puts you in a state of limbo. And I just want to tell you, when you're living in a state of limbo, waiting for your next move or waiting for your, your next life transition, You fail to be all here and to be all in for the glory of God. Guess who put you here? You may have got accepted to a school. You may have got a job. You may have done whatever. But guess who put you here? God put you here. And you may be making plans to move on. Good for you. But you're here right now. And as you're here right now, whether you like it or not, You are to be invested and all in. There's a very similar thing going on with this group of Israelites in Jeremiah's time. Around the 6th century B.C., they were exiled in Babylon. And you know what? God took them out of their land and deported them to Babylon because of their sin. And guess what? They were going to be in Babylon for 70 years And while they were there in these special verses of Jeremiah, we're going to look at just a portion of his letter that he wrote to them. And he wrote to the exiles in Babylon, and he told the exiles three things. Now, see if you can track all these things. They're very complicated. Here we go. He tells them, settle, grow, and invest. I know those are really hard, and so I've made hand motions. All right, you ready for this? See if you can follow. Settle, grow, and invest. You got it? Settle, grow, and invest. And the message is to you as well, especially if you feel like you're living in Babylon right now. Let's do it. Start with settle. Look at verse 4. Let's do the Jeremiah 29, 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've 
sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Don't you just love? These are such simple commands. Build some homes. Plant some gardens. You're like, what's he doing? Is he just into houses and gardens? No, no. This is, this is a counter-prophecy because a lot of the prophets during this time were telling the exiles in Babylon, don't do much. You're not going to be here long. It's almost time to go back to the land. In fact, there was a prophet called Hananiah, and Hananiah said, you're just going to be here for two years, and when two years are up, then you'll be back to land, so don't get too comfortable. It's about time to go back to the land. And Jeremiah's like, nope. Don't you listen to him. (laughs) You're going to be here, disciplined for your sin, for 70 years years. And he says, and while you're there, while you're at it, I want you to build some homes and live in them. I want you to plant some gardens and eat their produce. You see, God is calling the Israelites in Babylon to set their lives up as sojourners. Do you understand that word sojourners? It it means, look, you're living in a certain place, but you're not from there. You're, You're from somewhere else and you're headed to somewhere else. But while you're there, you're kind of just sojourning. Like many of you are, are sojourners in the, in the Chicago area, right? You're, you're not from here. I meet you in the morning. I say, where are you from? And you tell me where you're from. It's, it's not from here. Most of you are not from here. I ask you where you're going, and most of you are not going to stick around here. You are sojourning here for a period of your life. Maybe you're here to get a degree. Maybe you took a job in the big city to cash in for a while until you move on. But you're here sojourning here. But get this. If you're a believer in Jesus... If you're a Christian, every single one of you are sojourners. You ever ever thought of that? The Bible actually calls you a sojourner. It actually says that you have your citizenship elsewhere. Let me put it up for you. This is Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, 20, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior The Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible says you have citizenship in heaven. The Bible at times will call you a stranger. The Bible will call you a pilgrim. The Bible will call you an exile. You are a sojourner. Do you understand this? This world is not your home. You're like moving on towards your home. And I'm going to explain this to you. It's going to be very difficult for some of you to get. All right. Before you're a believer, you're living in a certain domain. You're living in a certain kingdom. The kingdom of this world ruled by Satan. Uh, you're, you're dead in your sin. And God, as his grace, reaches out to you, sends his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins, buried, rose again. We repent of our sins, put our faith in Jesus Christ. Now watch this. There's a transfer from this kingdom of darkness, and now you're transferred into the kingdom of light. You get that? When you repent and trust Christ, you move from one domain to another. You move from one kingdom to another. You now belong to the Lord, and your ultimate home is with him in heaven. But the deal is, you are now stuck in between two worlds. You come out of one domain, and you're moving on to the other in heaven, where it is your home. And right now, you live between two worlds. You are sojourning on your way to your final home in heaven. And while you are here sojourning, you're to actually be here. So that means, get this, 
whether you're in Evanston, Chicago, whatever, for seven months, some of you are here for seven months, some of you are here for seven years, and some of you may actually live here for 70 years, God would have you to invest because your next home is not, you, you know, your, your ultimate home is not your next move. Your ultimate home is with God in heaven. So as you are here now, you are called to invest. Settle. Come on, settle down. Some of you are making an idol of the next move. You're living in the idolatry of the next. You're thinking if you can just get out of here or move on to the next phase because right now, some of you, just go ahead and admit it, you're miserable, you're not very happy, you're having a lot of struggles, and you think if you can just get out of this phase and move on to the next thing or the next move, then you'll be all right. That could be the idolatry of the next. Because you know what the problem is? Here's one of the biggest problems if you have that mindset. The biggest problem is that when you move wherever you're going, you always take yourself with you. Don't you just wish you could just leave yourself behind? Problem is, when you, wherever you're going next, you're going with yourself. And so if you're miserable and things are terrible for you right now, don't think that automatically just you moving or relocating is going to fix that. God's saying, okay, I'm going to take you as you are, and right now, settle. Settle down. But don't just settle. He also wants you to grow. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease. Their mentality, being in the land, they're saying, we're going to put everything on a hold. In fact, we're not even going to have weddings here. We're not going to get married at all until we get back to our land. But they are told, did you catch that last phrase? It says, multiply there, and do not decrease. So while they're in the land, they are to grow. And not just growth in numbers, but they also have spiritual growth. That means they're to get stronger in numbers. They're to maintain their unique ethnic identity. They, they got to stand firm in their faith and they're to grow. And as we go further in the passage on down, it talks about they're going to finally be in the land and they're going to call on the Lord. They're going to pray to him and he's going to answer them. That is crazy because these are people who got kicked out of the land because they're worshiping other gods and other idols. But while they're sojourning in Babylon, they're going to have a change of heart. And God says, you're going to call on me and I'm going to answer you. And while they're there, God wants them to grow. Perhaps you're looking at your life right now during this phase as, as spiritually neutral. You are so busy and you have so much going on that you're thinking, if you can just get through this phase, then you're going to grow. So right now you're thinking, my life is spiritually neutral. And once I move on, I'll be all right. I, I, most of our church are, are, are single people. And, and as I interact with those who are single, sometimes they have the mindset that once they get married, then they're going to grow spiritually. But it, it doesn't work like that. It's not like you're going to just not care or be growing as a single person, and then all of a sudden you're married, and then you're growing like crazy. No. Marriage is... It's not like, in fact, marriage is hard. So you want to be growing as a single person, so you're growing when you're a married person. And for those who are married and have kids, 
our mindset can get so messed up because our kids demand so much of our attention, and we think, okay, if I can just get over this baby phase when you're not sleeping, they're driving you nuts, waking you up all night. If I get past this baby face, then I'll grow. And then they become toddlers in, in elementary school, and you're like, this is not fun. If, they can just, if I can just get out of this face, then I'll grow. And then they become those enjoyable teenagers, and you're thinking, man, if I can just get past this. So it's almost like our mindset is, once all the kids are out of the house, then revival is going to break out. It doesn't work like that. Wherever you're at right now, God really wants you, hey, come on, settle down. Now's the time to grow. This is not a spiritually neutral phase in your life. It's time to grow. I don't care how crazy things are. I don't care how busy things are. I don't care how many, much you have to study, how much you have to work. It's time to grow right now. Where you're at, God wants you to spiritually grow. And the last thing that Jeremiah is encouraging these sojourners in Babylon is he wants them to invest. Look at verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And here's where we get the idea of invested sojourner. You see that? The Israelites there were to seek the peace the prosperity, and the welfare of Babylon. In fact, they were to pray for Babylon's welfare. And in an interesting phrase, it says, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. That, that is profound. God says, as you invest in them, you're going to grow. As you invest in a, in a pagan city, it's going to be for your welfare. And you're like, what does that even mean? Well, see, as the Israelites perhaps started loving their neighbors. Maybe some inroads were built where they were able to return to their land 70 years later, perhaps because the way that they were seeking the welfare of the city, by the time they left, they were allowed to leave because the welfare had returned upon them. So as you share Jesus with others where you live, you're going to grow. As you disciple others, you're going to grow. As you stay up at 2 o'clock in the morning, listen to your friend tell you all your problems and praying for them, you're also going to grow. As you meet people's physical and spiritual needs, you're going to grow. As you invest in other people, you're going to grow as well. So take these time in your life to be intentional with your family, with your roommates, people you're sitting by in class. God brought them around you. People you work with, God has brought them around you to invest. In your church, you're here for a season. You've got to invest. And while you invest, you will grow with a variety of blessings. But there is one area that most of you will ignore. And it's not because you're being mean. It's not because you're being insensitive. There is one area that most of you will ignore, unless you're intentional. And this is where I'm going to really press this and press this and press this. One of the areas that I want you to be intentional about investing with as your time sojourning here is I want you to be intentional and investing in the sufferers, those who are suffering. Most of you are not thinking, I cannot wait to invest in someone who is suffering. It's just, it's not something you're thinking about. You're so busy, you got your stuff going on. You're like, I'm not going to, not that you don't care, you're not being insensitive, you're not, you're not being, you know, not compassionate. You're just, you're just not even thinking about it. 
Well, what I'm going to tell you right now, with the moments we have left, and I'm not making an overstatement here, with the moments we have left, you have the potential to change someone's life forever. And in fact, as you seek to change their life, your life will be changed forever as well. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to take us to this great investment passage in the Bible that I want to talk about all the time. So bear with me. Please, let's do it now. Let's turn to the book of James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. It's in the New Testament. This is God talking to the church. James chapter 1, verse 27. This is in the Word of God. I did not put this verse here. It was already here. James 1, 27. Look what it says. Verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. God's heart is for widows and orphans, and he wants you to have a heart for them as well. Two of the most vulnerable groups in the Bible and two of the most vulnerable groups today around the world in the United States are objects of God's compassion and protection, and God expects his people to have the same heart. Now, of course God's heart is for others that are suffering, like the refugee or the person who's being trafficked, but the Two I want to focus on right here are widows and orphans. And if you've known me long enough since I've been at this church, this is what I want to talk about all the time. And I will, given the chance. And you may think, well, Pastor Jason, it must be you want to talk about orphans because you're really good with kids. Not the case. I am not good with kids. Uh, yesterday, I was coaching my, my son's flag football team. He's a six-year-old, and I am a scary coach. My wife keeps telling me to smile when I'm out there. I don't smile. I scare the kids, and I'm trying to get them to make the tackles on defense. And I said in a very serious face, if you don't make the tackle, I'm going to put you in the tree. I'm going to get arrested out there with these kids. But I'm, like, I'm like, I'm just messing with them, but... But still, I'm, I'm not this kid guy. You know those kid people? They're just, they're just all about kids and not me. So why do I keep hitting this orphan thing? Well, it's obviously it's in the Bible. But, but what, what, what has happened is that within the last three years, with many people in the church spurring us on because you went before us, we went to um, Ethiopia to bring our, our daughter home. And in the last two years, we've had our little foster boy from Chicago, and I want to tell you this, the things I saw in Ethiopia and the things I've been seeing in Chicago have rattled me. I mean, they just mess me up. And so I'm going to keep talking about it. And as far as the elderly go and the widows and widowers, don't think that I'm just so sensitive and soft because I'm not. But God did something to me in my 20s. He, I, he should have picked someone else, but he picked me. I don't know why. I got saved in 19. I was a foul mouth, rough, 
evil man that God saved at 19. And soon after that, during my 20s, he called me to take care of my grandmother. That's, it was not a good fit, God. But that's what he had in mind, to care for her when she was disabled and her needs on a daily basis. And then eventually she had to go in a nursing home. And when I was done in Dallas and moved to L.A., I flew her out there and she lived with, out there by us in L.A. And it was, that was my, most of my 20s consumed with her welfare. And while I was hanging out with her, I got to meet all those who were living with her in the nursing home. And I want to tell you, the elderly are a group of people that are neglected, often abused, and extremely lonely. I don't know what happens in our culture, but we tend to just throw them away. And so after seeing what I saw, I was rattled and I was stirred. And you know what? We've been talking about this a lot. And in the past when I talk about this, I try to get you to go overseas, right? I tell all those stories that make you cry about what's going on overseas. And many of you have gone overseas. You saw some stuff over there. You've served widows and orphans. You have so many stories to tell. And now you're back here. And you want to go back there. And you want to keep serving orphans, widows. But the deal is right now in your life, I can see you. You're not there. You're living here for now. And so today, this morning, I'm not going to talk about overseas. All right? I'm not going to talk about those cool, great adventures. That's there. That's for another time. Obviously, you're here now. So what I'm going to try to stir you to do this morning, right now, is to do something in Evanston for those who are suffering. Widows, widowers, children at risk, to do something. Because you know that this passage in the Bible about widows and orphans is in a context where James says, do not merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Why would we want to listen to sermons and not do anything? And I'm not trying to put more stuff on you. Because I know some of you in this church are doing great things. In fact, there's a woman in our church on the weekends. She stays out all hours at night ministering to prostitutes. There are people in our church who care for those who are suffering refugees. So I know that you guys are doing things. But for those of you who haven't had opportunities yet, you just moved here, we're going to talk about some local opportunities for you to do something in line with God's heart for the suffering. So what I did, I said, okay, I brought in three groups. Because our church doesn't have the capacity to organize something like this. So I brought in three groups. And I said, I want you guys to come in and just facilitate people, students, everybody in here, to just do something with, with widows and orphans. So I brought them in. They're here today. They're not asking you to, to go out and fundraise for their organization or do great things. They're, they're going to help you facilitate serving while you're here those who are suffering. With, it's not going to take a lot of time. For example, one of the groups here is Senior Connections. A senior Connections will take individuals and match them with a senior citizen in our area. Whether you're a family, an individual, it's great. And, it, and this is how much time it takes. One hour a week. Can you spare an hour? There are real people in this area right now, real examples. For example, there's a man. He is 70 years old. He's homebound due to a stroke. And he would like a visitor to come over and watch sports with him. Can you do that? That's a hard one, I know. Okay, it's a stretch, right? Okay, forget the sports. There's an 88-year-old woman who is homebound. She would like to have someone to come over and just talk with her. 
There's another woman who's receiving chemotherapy right now for bone and blood cancer, and she would just love an afternoon visitor to come and chat and play games with for one hour a week. If you've got a family, just take your family over there and hang out. If you're a Northwestern student, just go, go one hour a week to serve a widow or widower, a senior connections. But I was really thinking, what are some ways that you in here can mentor and serve children at risk in our community? And so I brought another group in this morning, and it's, it's, it, I don't know if you ever think about this. It, the group is actually called the YMCA. And when you think of YMCA, I just think of working out or that song. But it's not either one of those. They actually can serve people locally. In fact, kids, they have a program called Project SOAR. Well, they'll take you as a student and put you with an at-risk kid where you can build into them. For, for example, freshman, Northwestern. They're freshmen in here, right? There's some freshmen in here, yeah. Freshman at Northwestern, got, he, he got paired with a sixth grader in Evanston. Now, this sixth, grade, sixth grader was at risk. He was having some trouble. He's in a family of four being raised by his grandma. His sister uh, just had a baby, and so he's taking care of the baby, and none of the kids have ever gone to college. And so this Northwestern student gets paired with a sixth grader, and he starts building into him. He starts mentoring him, starts helping him in school. And so this relationship continues all four years of the Northwestern student's uh, degree. And so that he graduates gets a job in downtown Chicago, continues to build into this kid as he comes up through junior high, through high school, and the Northwestern student got to go to the ETHS graduation and watch this kid graduate after investing in him all those years. And that kid, first in his family, go to college. Cool stuff. That's cool stuff. And the last group I brought in today is a group that many of you have taken part of, especially the families or the older uh, singles, and it's, it's a group called Safe Families. This is pretty cool. I, I don't know who thought of this idea, but it's, it's a really cool idea that takes families in churches and pairs them with kids who are in homes that are going through difficult times. Maybe, maybe they're going through a season of homelessness, the family, or maybe they're, the family is going through a season where they can't, they can't handle the kids or it's medical issues or sometimes some abuse issues that before the kid goes into the foster care system or gets taken over by the state or whatever, a family steps up and says, okay, come live with me for a little bit. And the average stay is only 40 days. And he, he, like, he, here's the situation. This is, here's a great example, okay? These are like real life examples. There's this mom, she had to be hospitalized, so she's in intensive care. While she's in intensive care, there is a two-year-old and a four-year-old waiting in the waiting room. Nowhere to go. So an alert goes out. There's a two-year-old and a four-year-old here with nowhere to go. Do you have room? Another situation, a kid, he's about to have his birthday, but... His, his family just became homeless, so living on the streets, a very tough situation, and he has nowhere to go at this moment. And so the alert goes out, hey, there's this homeless uh, family and the child that needs someone to watch their kid for six weeks. Do you have room? And as I, th- as I think about widows and orphans, I-, I ask myself this. If you don't do it, who's going to do it? And if you want to tell me, well, the government's going to do it. You mean the government that's about to shut down? That one? Why do you think we exist? Why do you think God's brought us 
here on this earth. He wants us to invest, and part of that is investing in those who are suffering. And just because, see, you might say to yourself, you know, it's like out of sight, out of mind. As long as I don't know about it, I don't have to do anything. Well, the bummer thing is, you came here this morning, so now you know. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) now you know. And we're not talking about huge time demands. It's a little portion of your time. And the thing is, as you invest, it will change your life as well. I guarantee it. So they're here, say families, YMCA, Senior Connections. And, and this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We typically finish our services with singing praise to God. You get it? We get in the word and our response is worship. Today, no singing. I'm not against singing. We're not going to do it. We're done singing. When we finish, your response, and I'm going to ask you, is just, just go to one of these tables and check it out. Say, okay, what are you about? Okay, God, what do you want to do? Put your name down. Say, all right, God, whatever you want to do. What, what do you want to do here? This is not our church program. I know a lot of you are checking out churches now. You don't have to land at this church at all. This is something for you to do outside of this church. Senior Connections, the widows and widowers will be in here. Safe Families and the YMCA will be in the lobby. Go check them out. That will be your response to the hearing of God's word today. You are an invested sojourner. You are here at this point in life to settle and to grow and to invest. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you've had such great compassion on us. And I know there's some people in here right now, they don't want to be where they're at in their life. They wish it was better. They may be depressed or their marriage is not going good, a job, school, whatever. And they're just like, man, if they could just move on. Lord, I just ask you to show them that you care for them, you love them, and you have them here for a season, for a reason, and sometimes we don't know. I just ask that right now you would just settle them down get some perspective to see this is a time to grow. It's a time to grow spiritually. Even though it's hard, even though it's through suffering, it's time to grow. But take them beyond themselves and show that part of their growth is investing in other people, even investing in those who are suffering. So I ask you to stir your church now to be who you've called us to be and bring fame to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.